A few short weeks ago, it seemed as if the relentless Manchester City machine was going to storm to the Premier League title, sweeping aside puny opposition as it maintained its relentless excellence. But suddenly, Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool have moved to within three points of the champions, and it's game on. Will Liverpool's old Merseyside foes do them a favour this weekend? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Thrilled to be joined once again by our betting guru, Mark O'Hare, the passepartout to my Phileas Fogg. Uh, Mark, are we getting overexcited here or do we have a title race? Because Liverpool are into 3.8 on the exchange to win the league, City out to 1.35. No, I think we've got every right to be excited about a, a title race. Um, three points of difference after Liverpool's shellacking of Leeds on Wednesday night and they've got the positive goal difference now as well, which is obviously quite key in in tight battles too and you know clearly the two teams have to go play each other in a few weeks time as well so there's every chance there's uh, an opportunity for Liverpool to, to turn the tables on City um, but obviously a long way to go and huge amount of twists and turns as well but it's not just at the top either we've got a fascinating battle at the bottom now as well opening up with with Burnley winning uh, midweek against Spurs and then results also for Watford recently, Newcastle, uh, right down to about 14th, I think. There's a, well, with Brentford, there's all those teams kind of now in the scrap and also the, the battle to, to finish in the top four is heating up too. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had no title race, three from four basically going down uh, and a couple of teams in contention for top four. Now it looks like all three areas are, are really up for grabs. Could all change so quickly. Odds compiler Mark Stinchcombe's with us, a man who doesn't go in for reputations. If you don't perform as a manager, no amount of weasel words will satisfy him. <laughs> that said, Stinch, we have two great managers up against each other in this title race in Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. Yeah, I think maybe there's perhaps been a slight overreaction to um, Liverpool closing the, the point difference because just looking at Man City's fixtures, I think I think they're arguably slightly easier. You know, we also remember they've got Liverpool at home, so they they are in the driving seat. I mean, their run in looks looks very kind. Um, last few games they've got Watford at home, Leeds away, Newcastle at home. Uh, Liverpool still got a, both teams still got a host Man United. So you mentioned about would the Merseyside rivals do Liverpool a favour this weekend? Maybe the Ranić might do Liverpool a favour. We've seen some. Uh, We've seen some kind of random wins for United in recent years, kind of thinking back to the one where City were 2-0 up at the Etihad and then United randomly came back and won 3-2. Uh, last season when United won, I think it was 2-0, was it, at the Etihad? Um, so, yeah, may maybe. Um, and especially consider that um, both teams are fighting on at least three competitions. So maybe there might be some key injuries that picked up. But... Uh, these Man City defeats are just—I just find them really bizarre. That you, you don't, you can't see them coming. To be honest, I mean, Tottenham came into that match with no form at all, and obviously a lot of negativity surrounding the team. And then even when City brought it back to two-two, you think with I think seven minutes of injury time, you think Man City are likeliest to go on and go and win it. And yet Tottenham come back and uh, and stun them there. I mean, the defeat against Palace, yeah, again was just 
completely bizarre and especially the the Tottenham defeat given the fact City had just put five against Sporting and you know in a very comfortable uh, Champions League knockout victory so yeah uh, very exciting um, maybe just happy to leave those uh, odds alone um, I think I mentioned before Christmas like City were back to lay so if you're still sat on that City back maybe it's time I think City uh, around that time were maybe sort of 1.8 ish so if you still sat on that City back I would have uh, yeah I would trade out now uh, unless you've you know got a different opinion of course. Well, Manchester City and Liverpool both produce expected goals numbers that make the XG robot swoon. And we have the data doctor himself, Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal with us once again. Jake, I want to look at City's game against Everton this weekend. Since Frank Lampard got to Goodison Park, seems like the Toffees have veered wildly between the sublime and the ridiculous, sometimes within the same game. City 1.32 in the match odds market to win away from home against Everton. The hosts are a hefty 11-1. to How do you see this going? Yeah, it, like Stinch said, it's really difficult to see Man City's defeats coming because they do come out of the blue. Um, I don't think they were bad against Tottenham by any means. Um, based on the XG totals, a draw was probably a fair result. Um, if you take away the late penalty, it was 1.8 to 1.8 in terms of non-penalty expected goals in that game. So a draw probably would have been fairer reflection of that game. But even so, it did show that there is still some vulnerabilities at Manchester City, particularly the back line um, and particularly on the counter-attack, which is something we thought they kind of solved. We've not seen it for a while. But yeah, Everton... As you said, they're very much Jackal and Hyde since since they uh, appointed Frank Lampard, particularly home versus away, because they've been sensational at home. The two home matches was obviously an FA Cup win over Brentford, a thrashing of Leeds, um, and away from home, they played Newcastle, Southampton. They've conceded a combined six expected goals in those two matches, just highlighting the issues they have defensively still. But those home matches, they've created plenty of chances, and I know it's only a small sample size, but I do feel like that um, you know, home comfort's will be key for, for Everton and I do think they'll be able to put on a decent display here and potentially grab at least a goal um, even if it is in defeat. Uh, Manchester City, as I've said, looking a little bit more de- vulnerable defensively um, and they've actually conceded in 54% of their away matches in the Premier League this season. So both teams to score looked a decent price to me at just under even money, around 1.98 on the exchange um, and that's something that I will happily go with. Um, also had a little look at Manchester City to win and both teams to score if you want a slightly bigger price. Uh, but I'll be happily just take the both teams to score just because of the sort of uncertainty surrounding Manchester City. Um, and, you know, that they that run, the, the unbeaten run has sort of been brought to an, a bit of an abrupt end. And we did see them struggle to sort of break down Southampton a few weeks back in a 1-1 draw away from home. And I wouldn't be surprised if this was something similar, like a 1-1. Um, but, you know, you don't really want to back against Manchester City, City, do you? So backing just the both teams to score for me is the way in. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds, over-under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Leeds United got smacked again on Wednesday as they went down 6-0 against Liverpool. Spurs hit a brick wall as they lost at Burnley, a result that seemed to crush the spirit of Antonio Conte in the same way that Ralph Wiggum was once heartbroken by Lisa Simpson. Mark, did you understand that pop culture reference? No, very <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Leeds seem absolutely all over the shop at the moment. Yeah, um, kind of sad to see, really. Um, disappointing, really. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't read too much into Leeds getting thrashed away at Liverpool, um, considering the, the, you know, look at the bench they had out uh, in midweek, you know, it's just full of kids again and they're missing so many key players. And I still firmly believe that when Leeds get those three key players from that spine, uh, Cooper, Phillips and, and Bamford back in the fold, they'll be okay. And I still think they're not, not a bad team, but they just tend to unravel when they're playing the best teams in the league because they're... Their system doesn't allow them to to sort of flourish in those matches when they come up against better players, and I think that might be the case again this weekend. In fact, I'm I'm pretty bullish about Spurs' prospects of kind of bouncing back from what happened against Burnley with with a victory at Ellen Road. Um, they were terrific last weekend, and before going to that game against Burnley, they'd won nine of eleven against the bottom half, um, and almost that defeat at Turf Moor would probably be the the shock to the system they require after sort of being on such a high against uh, City, and then to come back down to earth. Sort of, they'll have time to sort of refresh and reset and go again. Whereas Leeds, I just think they're coming into this match off such a demanding week, playing Man United, a really sort of emotional, physical match last weekend, then having to go to Anfield on a Wednesday night with a quick turnaround for the early start on Saturday. We know Bielsa's squad is normally the, the fittest in the league, but I do think they lose a lot when they aren't able to be at 100%, which is you know when they tend to operate at their best. So I think physically, emotionally, um, they will be at a low ebb, and I think this is an opportunity for Tottenham to, to make their mark, really. Uh, Man United went off below 1.8 at Ellen Road last weekend. Uh, Spurs have been clipped in since uh, midweek. They're around even money. They're, I think they're 1.95 on the exchange now. I do expect that price to contract a little bit further because... There is a clear chasm between the two teams, even if Tottenham have been kind of a bit here, there and everywhere in the last couple of weeks. And Leeds, as we know, tend to do their best work against the bottom half. This season, uh, I think it's nine defeats from 12 against the top half. They've considered two goals or more in nine of 10 against the top eight as well. Uh, and as we always say, if you drill down further from just raw results, their expected goals data and their performance metrics have been really, really poor when playing against the, the best teams in the division. So, you know, even if you look at the raw numbers, three clean sheets all season, five league wins, giving up almost 2.2 goals per game, uh, I think Tottenham should win this match and, and should bounce back. Certainly, if you look at the underlying data, they deserve to be strong favourites here. So, happy to bounce, uh, sorry, happy to back Spurs, uh, just shy of evens, or you can boost the price to around 2.35 by backing Tottenham to win and over one and a half goals, just ruling out the 1-0 away win. Uh, as we know, Leeds matches rarely sort of disappoint in terms of entertainment payment stakes but uh yeah i think this is a, a good opportunity to to oppose them again jake uh that six nil defeated anfield uh pretty soul destroying and you were saying off air before we started the show this pretty much in line with the numbers wasn't it in terms of the data yeah mental really i mean liverpool put up 5.2 expected goals in that game which is just a staggering amount i mean obviously there's two penalties in there but still uh, that goes down as the worst defensive display from Leeds under Bielsa. Um, and actually, from an attacking standpoint, they offered next to nothing, which was a little bit of a surprise. But, you know, they, I think it was 0.16 expected goals for is what they managed at Anfield. Um, that's actually the second lowest attacking or second worst attacking performance Leeds have had under Bielsa. Um, can anybody, here's this week's quiz question. Anybody guess the worst attacking display Leeds have had under Marcelo Bielsa? since his arrival. The one at Everton, not that long ago. No, that was 0.34. Okay. What about um, when they lost at Southampton? I think they only had three or four shots, so that must be up there. It was close, but no cigar. (laughs) Jake's just auditioning for a role as some kind of quiz show host, (laughs) isn't he? He's using this entire show as an audition. He'll end up on Tipping Point or something (laughs) by the end of the week. Stinch thinks he's got it. 
No, I'm just going to throw a bit of a curveball out there. What about when Leeds won at City last season? I think Dallas scored twice, but they literally only had two or three shots and the XG might have been really, really low. That is the correct answer. Ah, he's yes. got it. He's, he's got, got it. it. Oh, there's a fist bump. we got to love the fist bump. <laughs> yeah, that, that was... The win at Manchester City was actually Leeds' worst attacking display based on XG under Bielsa. Um, and obviously the defeat of Liverpool in midweek, close second. But yeah, just following on from what Mark said, they, Leeds have now taken over from an XG standpoint as being the worst defensive team in the entire Premier League. Even worse than Norwich, um, which is some going. 2.05 expected goals against per game is what they're shipping. From a Tottenham standpoint, their last five matches, they've allowed over two expected goals against per game as well. So in theory, you've got two really bad defences going head-to-head. Leeds obviously will play a massively wide-open game as usual. So goals are likely to be on the menu at Ellen Road. Stinch, flush with your victory. You must be delighted. (laughs) So well done on that. Um, Similar scene for you. Do you think Tottenham are going to win this or do you think Leeds can actually come up with something? Yeah, I mean... I'm kind of surprised maybe we haven't gone a bit more in depth on what Conte said on Wednesday after the game, but I kind of... Here's your chance. We can well, have. just kind of, you know, betting all comes down to price and I'll kind of come on to that in a, in a second. But, um, you know, Tottenham at 1.95, I do think represents value. Man United went off at 8 to 11. Arsenal went off there at 4 to 7. Leeds were decimated by injuries then, but still just to um, give some clarity. Liverpool went off at 4 to 6 and Spurs were actually shorter at 10 to 11 last season in May under Ryan Mason. And I don't think Ryan Mason is anywhere near the level of uh, Antonio Conte. And that was against the lead side that contained Patrick Bamford. And I think, I've been saying it all season really, I think Bamford is massive miss. I think you could maybe cope without some of the other players if you had Bamford. I think that that leads only five wins could maybe be seven or eight or something if you had Bamford because at least you've got maybe the the goals at the other end and his movement I just don't think they're attacking I mean Jake mentioned about their attacking process at Anfield I just don't think it's it's as good without him I don't think any of Rodrigo or Dan James or Tyler Roberts are good enough to play the role that Bamford's made his own really and I think he's improved massively he scored more goals last season in the Premier League than he did in the Championship and there were question marks over whether he could even step up so yeah I just think he's a he's a huge miss for them um, he scored 17 last season that's twice as many as as anyone else so I just feel that like you take that Bam- Bamford out obviously no home uh, there were no home fans last season so you have to add them back in but I feel like the Bamford thing plus Ryan Mason means the Spurs should be shorter than that that 10 to 11 maybe sort of four to five ish um but yeah regarding the Conte thing um I just don't think that's information that we can like readily quantify, like put into a number and I think if you already kind of have a risk averse approach by using last season's Spurs price under Ryan Mason and, as I mentioned, with Bamford. If we Even if we didn't take into account that Spurs are a better team than under Ryan Mason, I still think we can justify like going in. Um, you know, Leeds, at the moment, lost eight of the last 11, conceding 36. You know, that's three a game. 
you've got no chance of avoiding defeats if you're regularly avoiding three a game. I know they got a, a three all with Villa recently and a one three two at West Ham, but it's 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 not sustainable to be conceding three and get away without losing. Um, and obviously no Calvin Phillips and no Liam Cooper, which along with Bamford is the spine of their team. Uh, since Conte's took over, they're the fifth best team in the league based on expecting points, and that's despite playing two fewer games than some other sides. So. Um, Spurs' underlying process has been good on the whole since Conte took over and even if he's being a bit crazy you'd expect the, the guys on the pitch to to take advantage if, if the opportunities uh, come up and as I say they are creating good opportunities. I thought they were they were a bit unlucky against Burnley and Burnley Burnley actually you know I've mentioned before they they have been good against the better teams in terms of restricting the number of goals they conceded and football by design is a low scoring game yet here I think we are envisaging a high scoring game with over two and a half goals shorter than eight to thirteen. Yes, Antonio Conte uh, very upset after that defeat to Burnley and suggested that he would uh, review his position at the club, but it remains to be seen whether there was any. Uh, really serious discontent or whether he was just blowing off steam after a disappointing result. Massive game in the relegation battle. Brentford face Newcastle. The Magpies would actually go above Brentford with a win. Jake, we wondered if Eddie Howe could actually get Newcastle going and without spending an enormous amount of money. Obviously, they did make signings, but not uh, an extraordinary amount. Seems that he has got them going. Yeah, they're, they're trending in a very positive direction, that is for sure. Uh, unbeaten in five, three, uh, I think three wins in that time. But it is worth factoring in and just remembering that if we're looking at the XG data from those games, they've been very fortunate with some of the results, particularly wins over Leeds and Aston Villa, where they actually either lost the XG battle or drew the XG battle in, in theory. Um, so, you know, I'm not 100% confident in them going to Brentford. And I do think that the recency bias of Newcastle's good results and Brentford's obviously poor run of form has made Brentford sort of a little bit bigger than they perhaps should be. Um, you know, I mentioned a few weeks back on this podcast just how good Brentford have been at home this season uh, from a, a data standpoint. They rank as the sixth best home team based on expected points per game and expected goals process, averaging around 1.65 expected goals for and uh, 1.04 expected goals against per game, which is just really, really solid. And if they continue... I think I said this a few weeks back, they continue to perform at that same level in front of their own fans. The results will start to come and they were very unfortunate not to be Crystal Palace last time out um, in their last home match. They won the XG battle 1.8 to 0.5. So, in you know, usually we'd expect them to win that game around 65% of the time. Um, and, you know, just touching on Brentford's poor run of form, it is worth remembering that while they have lost six of the last seven, um, a winless seven, they have played five of the top seven in that time. So they played Wolves, Arsenal, City, Liverpool and Manchester United. So they've not been the kindest of schedules. Uh, and that's obviously factored into to the poor run of, of, of raw results. So I'm happy to back Brentford in this match. But rather than just taking them to win the game, I'm going to take them plus naught on the Asian handicaps. Effectively a draw, no bet, which is around 1.84. Um, yeah, I, I don't think they'll lose this game. I don't think Newcastle have shown me enough recently from an attacking standpoint um, to suggest that they can go to Brentford and really take a stranglehold of the game, win the game comfortably. Um, and Brentford are one of the better teams at home. So just really happy to get Brentford on side at what is a very decent price. Now, do you feel that an unfair moment has cost you a winning bet? Then let Dimitar Varbatov know. He's not actually called Dimitar Varbatov. He's called Berbatov, but we've used VAR to change it. 
revolutionary stuff. So, let Dimitar Varbatov know and you could get your bet paid out. Send any examples of footballing injustice over the weekend to at Betfair on social media using the hashtag VARBATOV and the former Spurs and Manchester United striker will make his ruling. Stinch, you have a couple of selections from the EFL for us this weekend. Yeah, I thought the Premier League was uh, quite tricky, and uh, actually, I think I've come up with a couple of decent ones in the in the EFL, which are kind of sort of been back in on a regular basis throughout the season, anyway. So it makes sense to kind of uh, throw them up. Um, so the first one is in uh, League One, uh, Oxford at home to Cambridge. I'm looking at Oxford to win and over 1.5 goals at 10 to 11. Oxford are one to two, and Oxford score over 1.5 goals is eight to 13. And given Oxford have won 17 games this season, 15 of them have been by a scoreline other than 1-0. And so I'm kind of almost getting double my price from the actual win. Uh, Oxford just to win outright to go up to uh, you know, nearly evens with throwing in over 1.5 goals. So looks juicy enough for me to try and take advantage. Um, Oxford scored the most goals in League One. They're very, very good against sides outside of the the top six and the bottom half. Um, they've won nine out of 11 at home to sides outside of the top 10 by an aggregate score of 27-9. So on average, they're winning games like 3-1. Um, so you could even look at uh, Oxford to win and both teams to score if you wanted a bigger price. Uh, Cambridge, it's their first season back in League One for 19 years and admirably they're sitting 12th so far, which is very, very good. But based on expected points, they're actually the highest overperforming team in the league by a massive 13 points and actually rank in the relegation zone in 21st. So again, um, you know, that further sort of aids the fact that Oxford are very good against these lesser lights and I'm saying that Cambridge have been a bit lucky in the fact that they've not been on the receiving end possibly of more defeats or at higher score lines. And they've only faced four of the top 10 away so far, but they've lost three of those four by an aggregate score of three to 10. So also I would keep an eye out them in future weeks. I think they've still got to go to the likes of Wigan, uh, Wickham, Sunderland. So I would, again, I would uh, you know keep an eye and uh, yeah, you could sort of continue to side against them with a similar sort of bet to be honest, because I don't envisage them um, only losing by the sort of one nil score line. It would be more likely two nil, two one, those sorts of score lines. Uh, and then, yeah, moving on to League Two, quite a big game, I think. Uh, Newport at home to Tranmere. So Newport eighth in the league. Uh, and they're taking on Tranmere, who are third. And for those who aren't aware, League Two sort of goes down to seventh in terms of the playoffs. So lots and lots to play for. Um, always a good chance of uh, making a late run into those uh, positions. Uh, so I mentioned Tranmere third, but they're punching above their weight by eight places based on expected points. And it was very scary when I was having a look. They they should have conceded another 20 goals based wow. on expected goals against. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, the goalkeeper, uh, Ross Duan, he's on loan from Selwick. He's having a really good season. Uh, he's got the best save percentage in the league with 80%. Uh, the average is around 70%. So you just see that additional, how much that additional 10% makes. But again like 20 goals is massive it's not sustainable so I'm very happy to chance his ability with the deadliest man in the in the division in Dominic Telford who's got 22 goals in 23 games this season um it's kind of strange really because looking at his previous seasons I don't think anyone would envisage uh this return previous to this he had 18 goals in his last six seasons so the fact he's got 22 goals in like two-thirds of a season is just it's just mad really but 
every all the sort of data underneath it kind of underpins that um he deserves it or at least deserves sort of 15 16 goals um so he, anyway, he's 19 to 10 to score any time. And given the fact that Newport are 11 to 10 and Newport to score over 1.5 goals is 13 to 10, very happy to chance the fact that if Newport do score two, I think there's a good chance that Telford will get on the score sheet. So that 13 to 10 to 19 to 10, again, for me, is a big boost. Um, and it does look value given the fact that he scored 52% of their goals this season. He averages the most shots in the division at 3.8. And crucially, 2.7 of those come inside the penalty area. You know, we talk maybe talk about a lot about shot data, but location is very important. We all know that the closer you are to the goal, the higher expectancy you've got of scoring. And it's no surprise, really, that 19 of 22 have come inside the penalty area. So it's really good to see that he's averaging nearly three a game. So his teammates are doing a really good job, basically, in finding him in good, in good positions in the penalty area. Um, it looks like he might be on penalties because he took one last week. Um, previously, Mickey Dimitro, defender, uh, was was on penalties, but he took one last week and scored against Manfield, Mansfield. And crucially, when he's hot, he's hot. He's got six times this season he scored at least two or more, and that's 11 to one. So 19 to 10 and 11 to one for Dom Telford. Uh, I think a uh, really good bet this season against what is a defence that's been very very lucky. And yeah, they could run into the run into the wrong man at the wrong time for them. Stidge gets lots of bonus points for those bets. He has some of those points taken away for not referring to Oxford against Cambridge as any kind of university derby. So he loses a few points there. Uh, Crystal Palace eased their relegation fears in midweek by kicking over their old boss, Roy Hodgson, in a brutal 4-1 win against Watford. They face a Burnley side that's chasing a third straight win. Jake Palace at home for this one. They're the 1.98 favourites here. But given the fact that Burnley have played pretty well in the last couple of games, is that a little bit short for a Palace team that doesn't win all that often? Um, you would think so, yes. But as I said with the Brentford uh, v Newcastle game and the, and the bet in that game, the when it comes to playing at home, Crystal Palace are one of the best teams in the entire Premier League, which is um, you know perhaps somewhat surprising. But they, you know, only four teams rank better on the major metrics in Crystal Palace when playing at home. Um, and you're right, they, they ended the win the streak in midweek. They were very fortunate to do that, actually. They scored four goals from chances equating to 0.7 expected goals. So just some really, really insane finishing. It's the Zaha um, really good goals. Yeah, even the Conor Gallagher one, which, you know, it looks oh, like a, an yeah. easy goal, but the finish was sensational, wasn't it? Top bins. The touch was just uh, irresistible. Like, that was one of my favourite goals of the season so far, just for the way he just sold the defender, uh, sent him for a hot dog. But getting back on topic... Um, yeah, they, they, Palace in general have been really good. They've lost the last three at home to West Ham, Chelsea and Liverpool. So three of the sort of top five in, uh, in the league currently. But they've been very competitive in all three. They actually won the XG battle against West Ham. They won the non-penalty XG battle against Liverpool and narrowly lost the XG battle to Chelsea, which really good positive signs um, for me. Um, and averaging in general 1.8 expected goals for per game and 0.99 expected goals against per game. So really, really solid at home. Uh, Burnley, yes, they've won two out of two. They're uh, clean sheets in both. But they were really fortunate to beat Brighton last weekend, uh, especially even so more so by a 3-0 scoreline. The XG totals were, were even, 0.6 apiece. But Burnley somehow managed to score three goals, which is you know, um, not going to happen every single week. And away from home, they've been really poor in general, uh, allowing nearly 1.9 expected goals against per game. And if, if the 
both teams continue playing in the same manner as they have done over the course of the season from a, both a home and an away standpoint. I do think that Crystal Palace to win the game looks a better at nearly even money on the exchange. And, and that's for me, that's where I'm going to go. Well, we have a couple of Benelux suggestions now from Marco Hare. Yeah, um, like Stinch, I found the Premier League a bit tricky this weekend and certainly uh, the major leagues in Europe. So I did a bit of digging elsewhere. And um, if you go to Belgium, uh, Union uh, saint gilles are top of the table. They're nine points clear, having won 20 of their last 28 games or 20 of the 28 so far this season. Um, the odds are obviously massively in favour of them beating Eupen this weekend. But I think there is a way in to get them on side. Uh, this is a team that's averaging 2.2 goals per game. They've kept clean sheets in 14 of 28 games. Uh, on a per-game basis, they're averaging 0.9 expected goals better than their opposition, and they've produced a plus 40 goal difference too. So really, really dominant, really, really uh, impressive results. Uh, last weekend, they went away to Shawa and won 3-0, which was a really impressive result too, considering Shawa are top half. Um, and yeah, I'm expecting them to, to make light work of, of Upen, who are in a bit of a tailspin at the moment. They are only four points above the bottom two, but they've played a game more. And their form since October's international break is horrendous. Um, 13 defeats in 18. Um, they've failed to score in eight of those 13 defeats. Nine of those defeats were by two or more goals. Uh, and they've only kept two clean sheets in that 18-game spell as well. They've actually only kept three clean sheets all season, uh, conceding 1.75 goals and 1.88 xG per game. Uh, their record against the top half, 10 defeats from 15, conceding 2.2 goals per game. And I've got them ranked in the bottom four in almost every available metric too. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough task for them, completely out of form, playing the top ta- uh, the table toppers. So if you dig into the Asian handicap markets, you can back Union Saint-Gilles uh, minus one and a quarter at around 1.75, which basically means if they win by exactly one goal, we only lose half of our stake. Uh, we win if they uh, if they win by two or more goals. Uh, I expect them to, to win quite comfortably in that match on Saturday. I, I like the way you're really owning that pronunciation of Union Saint-Gilloise as well. This is very good, was, Mark. Was it right? Yes, it's delightful. Oh, <laughs> it was the enjoyment as you were doing it. That was what, <laughs> what made me very happy. Uh, and you have something from the Eredivisie, I believe, as well. Yeah, so the Eredivisie um, has been quite poor for goals backers this season. Uh, I mean, it's still obviously above the Premier League and most European leagues at 2.9 goals per game, but only 55% of matches have gone over two and a half goals, which is uh, quite a downturn compared to what it's normally at. But uh, I think this match between Cambour and Fortuna Sittard um, has great potential for goals, and I'm really surprised over two and a half goals is only at 1.81. It should be much shorter to me, um, according to my model at least. You know, there's a goal expectancy I have close to 3.5 in this match, and you know, purely on XG terms, should not be the line should not be over two and a half. It should be closer to three. So, uh, Cambour are the goal kings in the era of EC. 3.87 goals per game, 74% of matches over two and a half. Over half of those matches have gone over three and a half. 74% BTTS. If you look at their home record, it hikes even higher, um, 4.18 goals per game, uh, 82% over 2.5 and 10 of 11 BTTS. They scored in 20 of 23, kept four clean sheets, and actually they've scored two or more goals in 13 of 23 and conceded two or more goals in 12 of 23. So uh, I think they're a really strong contender here and they're playing a, a Sittard team fighting for survival. Um, I think, well, last weekend their match was postponed because of the storm, but previous to that they'd won their back-to-back matches to nil, um, which basically doubled their clean sheet tally. But actually, if you dig deeper, 
They were second best in both and uh, they conceded 3.5 expected goals across the two matches. So I don't think their defensive issues have been solved just because they won back-to-back matches to nil. Um, expected goals, numbers, Kambua coming in at 3.3 per game, Sittard at 3.1. Sittard themselves have scored in 18 of 22, averaging 3.36 goals. Half of their 22 matches went over three and a half. They've conceded multiple goals in 14 of 22. So, I mean, everywhere you look here, there's really sort of positive, overwhelming goal trends. Yet the market is suggesting over two and a half goals is a 1.8 shot, which I just have to disagree with, really. So, um, yeah, if you combine both teams to score and over two and a half goals, uh, we're getting close to even money. 1.93, I think it was. Um, but I expect that to, to climb down before kickoff, too. Tremendous stuff. Now, from a tremendous bet to a tremendous betting feature, the world-famous podcast treble, something so popular that Leicester City striker Patson Dacker was actually tempted to start a rival feature called Dacker's Acker, only for the Foxes to block the project at the last moment. And just for the lawyers, that didn't happen. That definitely didn't happen. How this works is the three guys come up with a selection each, and our delightful trading team wraps it up into a boosted treble for you. Who am I going to go for first? I'm going to go for Mark O'Hare first. Thank you. I'll take Tottenham to win. Tottenham to win. <laughs> there so we go. Stinch is devastated, so I will uh, make best use of that by zooming to him now. Stinch, what are you going to pick? <laughs> Can you go to Jake, please? I don't no. know. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm going to go to you. <laughs> He's furious, um, ladies and gentlemen. He's absolutely furious. Uh, may- maybe I can look outside the Premier League then. Is that okay? Would that be all right? As yeah, why not? Let's do it. Already it's fine. Cav- already caveated at the start of the show, the Premier League's tough. I'll just throw Oxford in there to win then at 1-2. to So then if they just win by 1-0, then uh, at least maybe it helps the treble. That'll do us. And Jake to wrap up. Uh, I'll go with Man You can't be Watford. the third to pick yeah. one and then go, oh, I don't know. You've had ages. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, well, I... Did- I think I'm more, most confident about Man United beating Watford. I know the price is rubbish, but hopefully we get a, a decent enough boost on the treble um, to make it a decent price. OK, Watford, of course, smashed in midweek. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of shows across the Betfair podcast network, including the Cheltenham Rawcast, uh, which has been going for a few weeks now, looking ahead exclusively to the Cheltenham Festival from Stinch, Jake, Mark and me. It's goodbye for now.